Listen, uh, you should have a handout in front of you, and the talk that we want to give you for a few moments today is overcoming uh, the six temptations of successful organizations. What happens is we spend so much time trying to be successful, and then all of a sudden when we get success, there are temptations that come in that can derail us and keep us from continuing to be successful. It's uh, information that's taken from a book called Up Your Business, Seven Steps to Fix, Build, or Stretch Your Organization by Dave Anderson. And at the very first of it, if you take a look on your handout, I'm just going to give you the review of the first three temptations. First of all, uh, there are foundational truths, even before I share that. The enemy of great is good. Neither you nor your business will ever arrive, and you use your success as a stepping stone and not a pedestal. So think about that. The enemy of great is good. You really never arrive. You nor your business. And when you achieve some success, it should be a stepping stone and not a pedestal to say, hey, here we are. So three temptations. Number one, the leaders of successful organizations stop working on themselves. What happens? You feel like you got it all figured out. Things are going good. I don't need to read any more books. I don't need to go any more conferences. I'm just going to go with what I've got. And you never grow. And as you never grow, then your organization never grows. Number two, temptation two is the leaders of successful organizations. They stop thinking big. It was thinking big that got you to, to greatness. And then once you've achieved that, you began to get smaller thoughts many times for fear of failure. Number three is this. The leaders of successful organizations stop leading from the front. They stop leading from the front. And what that means is, is when you started this business, you started this venture or this new position, you were leading from the front, you were leading the troops, and all of a sudden you all achieved success and you began to sit back and see all your great success and you found yourself retreating back to your office, you got pretty comfortable, and you just began to be a person who was administrating and was managing and was presiding over everything. And you're no longer leading from the front. And when you no longer lead from the front, then things are going to drop off. And we closed our talk by saying there are three types of leaders. Number one, those who make it happen. Number two, those who watch it happen. And number three, those who at the end of the day scratch their head, stare out the window, and wonder what just happened. All right? So what we want you to do is to be the leader that is making it happen. Some of you are. You've seen some success. And there's some temptations that come with that. So let's take a look at temptations uh, four, five, and six. Temptation number four is this. The leaders of successful organizations stop developing others. They stop developing others. It's very easy when you get successful to believe that you're the key to all of that success. And um, once you get to that point, you feel like no one can do it as well as I can. And so I don't really want to delegate anything to anyone. I don't want to share power with anybody. I don't want to push decision-making down. Uh, I don't even want to develop this inner circle. And you become obsessed with your own self-importance because no one can do it as well as you can. And so this project comes up and you say, I could give it over here, but, you know, they can't do it as well as I can. And so all of a sudden you say, I'm just going to work late. And you find yourself getting on an 80-hour cycle of working, hours after hours after hours. And then what's going to happen is you're going to hit a peak to where your personal abilities have, have hit a ceiling. And once you've hit that ceiling and you began to plateau, you take your whole business down with you. And the reason is, is you're not developing others. You're trying to do everything. And it landed right there on the top. It was incredible. <laughs> That's quite a trick there. And, and, and the thing is, is you don't want to give anything away to, to, to other people. Now, in the book, he says that there are three reasons why people work long hours. Number one is this. They think they're indispensable. They think they're indispensable. Hey. Without me, nothing gets done. I'm the only one that can get it done. Number two, they are personally insecure. 
personally insecure. And what that means, if I delegate, I diminish my importance. And uh, if others succeed, I feel like it looks bad on me. And what you do is you look at people development as competitive rather than cooperative. And so if I begin to develop you and all of a sudden your talents come to the surface, hey, people may see that you may may be better than me. And because I'm insecure, I just don't want to see that happen. And number three is this. They think their people are not any good. (laughs) They just think their people aren't any good. Now, let me tell you about that. When you get to that point where you say, I can't give something away because I don't think my people are any good, first thing you got to look at is who hired those people. Now, if you hired the people, you got to just point the finger at yourself. You did a bad job of hiring them or have you done a bad job of developing them? Now, if it's the hand that you were dealt with, and you say, well, hey, these are the people I got dealt with, then your responsibility is to develop those people. And if you're trying to develop them and they don't develop, then you'd need to replace them and bring other people in that can do the work. But do not fall into the trap of I just don't have good enough people, so I've got to do everything myself. What's going to happen is when that happens, you're going to stop developing others and your organization is going to plateau and then begin to head down. An effective leader must focus less on what he can accomplish personally and focus more on what he can get done through others. Focus more on what you can get done through others. And developing a best team around you will compound your success. There's, there's that leadership principle that says that those around you will make you successful. And the better you've got people around you, the better people, the better you are. Um, to develop the best team, you need to train, empower, and resource them. To develop the best team, you need to train, empower, and resource them. And those are three key, key words. You've got to train them, to develop them, but then you empower them. My very first job when I got out of college was to go to work for headquarters at South Central Bell downtown. And I'm up on the 24th floor in the marketing department that they had just created. And so they hired some, trying to get some marketing people. So they hired me straight out of Auburn and said, you are a service manager. They're product managers, they're service managers. And as a service manager, when we introduce new services, you are the team leader. You're the marketing guy. You're the team leader. And so what you do is you pull together a team of people from engineering, plant, rates and tariff, and the PR, and you bring all this team together, and you sit around a table, and you'll lead this team as we introduce these products throughout the five states of South Central Bell. Bam! That sounded incredible for a 22-year-old kid. They say, this is great. And he says, you've got all this responsibility, but you've got no authority. You can't tell anyone around the table what to do. You're just a punk kid, all right? But if it doesn't come through, you're held responsible. And I remember talking to my manager. You know, I, I was young. I wasn't the smartest guy, but I did pretty well pick up on, you give me all this wonderful responsibility. I got no authority to, to prod somebody along. And they just kind of put their arm around and say, hey, you'll learn. And, the, you know, that's, that's, that's difficult, okay? <laughs> that's why I'm a pastor today. No, you, <laughs> you want to empower people. And so you want to give them responsibility, but at the same time, give them authority, okay, and then give them resources. Now, this is a great question that came out in the book. How do you know if you have a good team? How do you know if you have a good team? Here's the answer. You have a good team when you throw out an idea and the team gets it back to you better. That is good stuff. For those who just come today and you said, I didn't win a spam gift, you came just for this. This is the best statement of all. Everything else is kind of downhill after that. This is a great statement right here. It means that whenever you throw out an idea to them, it comes back better. When it comes back better, you said, hey, I got me me a great team. Now, 
I brag on our staff and our team here because we got a great team. We're, it's just a cauldron of creativity of people that are here in our, in our staff. And you can throw out an idea and it'll, it'll come back better. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, I had this idea about uh, as our church is moving forward in this live sent theme uh, that um, Jesus said in Acts 1.8 that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. He gave four different areas. And he was sending out his disciples. And so I said, what if we did something like live sent for the next five years and then say that we want our people to go to a Jerusalem, a Judea, a Samaria, and other parts of the world. And our Jerusalem would, would right here be our community, and then we'd have our city, and we'd have our continent, and then we'd have the world. And we could take mission trips to go over there, and that there would be a way that they could kind of get it checked off and, and, and be something that would inspire them. So I went out, and I began to run, and I came back and said, I, I take it a little bit further. What if we did like a, a passport? Make it look like a passport. And, uh, and when they uh, gave, went to a community, we could stamp the passport or something. And, and I just sort of threw that out and see what it worked. Well, you got into the cauldron of creativity among our people, and they put together something that's incredible. It's a Live Scent passport for our church. And it says Live Scent 2017 through 2021. And I want you to just so David Hicks has got to put this together. This is what it looks like. Now, this kind of looks like the real deal over here. And when they open it up, we've got our front page on there, and they can personalize it and put their name on it. And then as they open up the uh, book, then all of a sudden we've got what LiveSense is all about, your mission goals, and then you turn the page. And as you turn the page, you then have got, here it is, my community, which is called our Jerusalem. You write down what your trip is, and once you've gone on your trip, then what will happen is you'll get it stamped right there of saying, hey, I just did a Jerusalem trip. And so what our goal is, is for every member to get one of these and then over the next five years to have taken a mission trip in each one of the areas and do something in your community, do something in your city, do something in the continent, and do something somewhere around the world. But this gives you something to hold on to, and especially if you've got kids and a family, they'll want to do that. So an idea that was just thrown out, our team came back and made it better than I could have ever imagined. And that's what you want, okay? That's how you develop others, and that's how you develop a team, all right? Your team will either be your greatest success or your greatest curse. Take the time to develop your team, all right? Number five, temptation five, the leaders of successful organizations stop holding others accountable. Now, what happens is, again, you're going to see a common theme here, and that is once you get successful, you begin to take your foot off the accelerator, and uh, since results are satisfactory, there's no big immediate crisis, you just don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to get in people's faces. You don't want to apply pressure to perform. When you're first getting started and there are people working for you, you find that you are put, you're in their face in a nice way and you're applying pressure in a nice way of trying to get them to move forward to get this thing going. And everybody's together. They're working good. We're pushing this whole organization forward. And then all of a sudden, we got the rock over the hill, and we finally got to the top. And then you begin to sit back. And you say, you know what? God, I love these folks, but, I, you know, I, I don't really want to get in their faces. I don't want to push them that hard. I, I, you know, I'm going to let a few things slide. And all of a sudden, you're not holding people accountable. And then all of a sudden, that rock begins to roll back down the hill. Leaders fail to hold others accountable because of two different things. Number one is this. Clear expectations were not established in the beginning. 
clear expectations. It's impossible to hold somebody accountable if there's not clear expectations. So make those clear expectations. You had some when you started. You continue to make those when you succeed. And number two is this. They have no one to replace the employee if they leave. In all of his research, he said, this is why they fail to hold someone accountable. The reason is, is because they say, you know, I know the guy's not doing a great job, but if I push him, he's going to leave or she's going to leave. Then I got an opening. And I used to live by that. And I would have uh, employees who were uh, not really good were holding me hostage. And the things that I wanted to get done, I couldn't because I had some employees that either couldn't get it done or wouldn't get it done, and all of a sudden the whole organization is held up. Because your fear was if I push them, they're going to leave. What is so great about getting older is you hopefully get wiser. And then what you do when someone says, hey, I'm going to leave, you say, don't let the door hit you on the butt on the way out. Let them leave. Let them leave. There'll be somebody else you can get. What you need to do is always have a pipeline of talent, a pipeline of talent. You know, there's so much today that people, whether it be social media or whatever, wherever you're intersecting with people, if you've ever come across someone and you were just impressed by that person, I just encourage you to write it down somewhere. Keep it somewhere. Because there may come a need one day where you need to fill a place in an organization and that person impressed you. We're bringing a man on named Todd Lafferty. He'll be working on our staff on, on July 1st. And um, uh, my wife and I had attended his wedding, he and Susan's wedding, back in the uh, 1980s, middle 80s, okay? And so um, almost 30 years ago. And as I got to know Todd, our paths crossed different ways, long, long, long time ago, I put his name in my head. And I remember telling Janice, I said, one day, God love for this guy to, to be in an organization that I was leading. And uh, all of a sudden, the perfect opportunity came of a new d- position that we have at our church. He was the one that I, I went to. He's accepted. He'll be here. And it's just a perfect fit. But this is over years and years of just someone's name that stayed with me. Keep you a pipeline of talent. And if people leave, you've got some others that can come in. And sometimes, folks, I just got to tell you, if, if an employee is holding you hostage, it's usually because they refuse to do the work or they've just got a bad attitude. And bad attitudes are cancers in any organization, and you just need to cut it out and let it go. You say, well, it's going to be so painful let them go. I promise you, trust me on this one. If you let them go, you'll suffer a little bit on the front end because they're gone. But then all of a sudden, over the next few weeks, you're going to notice the whole difference in your organization. The whole attitude is, is better because that individual is, is gone. And I just believe that someone will come around the corner that can take that position and be even, even better. And if you doubt me, just watch Remember the Titans. Hey, Remember the Titans. All about life in there, right? Gary Brashear uh, came up to the coach and says, Coach Boom, got to let, gotta let Ray go. You know, Ray was just a bad uh, attitude, just a cancer on the team. There's no way they could get racial reconciliation with him. And what Coach Boone says, I don't cut anybody from our uh, from a team. Says you're the captain, you do what a captain's supposed to do. And uh, and he looked at me, he says, Coach, sometime you just got to let a guy go. And he let him go. Had to make that tough decision. 
But sometimes you're going to have to let some folks go, okay? Do not let employees hold you hostage to keep your business from moving forward. All right, uh, number six. All right, the last uh, temptation is similar to the other one. It says everyone in successful organizations begins to abandon the basics. They begin to abandon the basics. The natural tendency when you're going well is to let up and people start getting away from the disciplines and decisions that made them successful in the first place. Two prime areas where people are most susceptible to abandoning the basics, all right? This is when you're susceptible to abandoning those basic things. Number one, when you're on a roll. When you're on a roll. Man, things are going good. We're on a roll. Things are happening. Everything's going. Sales are coming in. Uh, we're meeting all our service requirements, and, and we're just hitting a home run over here. And all of a sudden, because things are going so well, then you began to take some shortcuts. You began to get a little sloppy over here because, hey, we don't, don't need to worry about that because business is great. Things are going good. And you began to slide on your basics. And once you begin to slide on the basics, then all of a sudden, you're going to see some things drop. You know, those orders didn't get shipped on time like they used to. The serviceman wasn't as courteous as, as he had been in, in the past. The salesmen aren't getting out and making those new contacts like they used to before. And all of a sudden, this thing that where you had all this big mo going for you, all of a sudden the momentum has slowed down. And now all of a sudden you're over here trying to put out fires because you abandon the basics when you're on a roll. But the second one is when you're in a rut, when you're in a rut. Now, what happens when you get in a rut is you begin to press harder to write the course, and you usually try the wrong things by chasing fads and whims in search of quick fix returns on success. What's the latest fad? Man, we got to go grab this thing. Everything's starting to happen. Let's go grab this fad over here, and let's do this. Let's get this fad and do this over here. And then you do that, and what it is is that was just kind of chasing the wind, where what you really need to do is just get back to your basics and build that back up. If you become brilliant in the basics day in, day out, I think you'll be really successful. J.W. Marriott said this, the most important thing is to serve hot food hot and cold food cold. That's kind of got the basics there, isn't it? You can tell me whatever it is about your meal, but hot food should be hot and cold food should be cold. What good is it for you to invest time, money, and energy into building a business if your people don't know how to handle an incoming phone call, how to set up an appointment, how to ask for a referral, how to overcome an objection, how to close a deal, how to interview properly, how to motivate a staff, how to conduct a one-on-one or to turn around a poor performance. Why are you building in a business if your people can't do these basics? Make sure you're doing the basics. Um, when I was working with the phone company and the divestiture was getting to take place uh, with AT&T, we had an opportunity to move to Mobile, Alabama and open up a branch office. And as we moved down there, we opened up this branch office. Uh, we were all you know, new in this office, had new secretaries in there that we had not met and didn't really know very well, didn't know at all. And I had my office over as a sales manager and uh, first week into work, you know, I'm going around the corner and uh, I just hey, I'm heading to the restroom. I'll be back in just a minute. I headed over to the restroom. Phone call came in for me. Secretary answered it. He says, hello. He said, I'd like to uh, speak to Danny Wood. He says, I'm sorry. He's gone to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, and I, I kind of, as I came on out and I heard the end part of that phone call, I said, let's just, maybe we could work on this. Uh, 
How about let's get away from too much information and just say he stepped away from his desk. Will that be okay? Okay, good. Uh, so, uh, you know, you work on the basics. That is so, so important to get those basics squared away on there. Uh, now, this is going to check our, our age over here. How many of you remember seeing a football game that Vince Lombardi coached uh, with the Green Bay Packers? Just raise your hand. Okay. All right. Uh, Green Bay Packers, they ran one famous play. What was it called? The what? The Green Bay Sweep, okay? Vince Lombardi, out of all of his brilliant stuff, he had eight plays. Now, today we got all these uh, uh, playbooks and stuff. He had eight plays. But what he did was he wanted to run them to perfection over and over and over. And what he was known for was that Packer Sweep, right? And uh, you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Quarterback gets snapped, handoff this guy and you began to see pulling guards everybody's going over everybody knew where he's going and the guy get like eight or nine yards how did he do that they knew where he's going it was because of execution and they stuck with the basics and they were very successful don't abandon the basics the greatest threat to tomorrow's success is today's success the greatest threat to tomorrow's success is today's success you know whenever you try something and you fail What do you do? You step back, you evaluate it, what went wrong, and then you try to do better. But the problem is, is when we succeed, we spend more time defending it rather than to evaluate it to see if we can do better. Does that make sense? Because sometimes when we do really well and somebody says, I think you do a little better, we get a little defensive. And we say, hey, it was a home run. No, you need to evaluate it. The greatest threat to tomorrow's success is today's success. So to stay successful, this is what you need to do. Develop your team. Hold your people accountable, and then build up the basics, all right? Develop your team, hold people accountable, and just build up the basics. And if you do that, you can be successful, and you can maintain a successful organization, all right? Listen, I am so thankful that you could be here with us and uh, and be a part of this. Uh, I hope that as we move into spring, you always begin, we begin to think about a lot of stuff, whether it be March Madness or whatever. But it's also we kind of moving into that Easter season, which is a little later this year. It's April, April 16th on that. But I, I hope that through this season that you'll begin to place your mind and, and your thoughts on just some of the basics of life and, uh, and what it means for a purpose Why are we here? Why has God created us? Why has God placed us here? And uh, and just to understand the basics of who God is, how he sent his son Jesus to die for our sins, and how it's his desire that we would live for him every day. And may that that be a part of your thoughts and continue that and take that all the way up to Easter. Go and get prepared. I'm I'm asking you to prepare for Easter early and and be ready for that great celebration when they celebrate the risen Christ. So I thank you for being here. I hope you have a great week. We'll be back together in April on the first Tuesday. Hope to see you there. Have a great day. Thank you all.